Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I'm going to continue in our series called The Showdown. Today I want to talk to you about watch what you hear. Watch what you hear is the subject of my sermon today. We're going to jump forward a couple chapters uh, into 1 Kings 22. For the last however many weeks we've been in 1 Kings 18, talking about Elijah versus Ahab and Jezebel. But today we're going to fast forward to the end of Ahab's life. And I want to show you a picture of what the tragic ending of this man who rejects Elijah, rejects God, what the tragic ending looks like before we go back into the story of the fire falling down on Mount Carmel. So here we find the the king Ahab meeting with the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, who was Ahab, inquire first for the word of the Lord. I want to tell you the story around that. Uh, My goal was to go through the whole chapter today, but the sermon got too large. So I thought it would probably take me an hour, which honestly online means probably an hour and a half. So we're going to cut it in half, and I think it's only going to be 30 minutes. So let's lean in, and I'm going to tell you this story. And if you want to read the whole chapter, 1 Kings 22, and I'm going to give some context around that. One more verse. I want you to go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says this, so faith, and we need faith. So faith, where does it come from? It comes from hearing. Faith is a real thing. It's substantive. It changes us. It rises up in us. And how is it created? Faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come right now. Speak directly to us as we open our hearts and our minds and our our conscience to you, Lord. Come and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about hearing God. What does it look like to hear God? What does it sound like to hear God? How do we hear God? My goal is that you would begin to engage your gift of discernment. I believe that everyone who asks for the gift of discernment can get that gift. And even more so, everyone can apply the principle of discernment into their lives. You know, the reality is right now, in all that's going on, maybe you can't block out all the noise, but you can choose what you'll listen to. And you can choose who you will listen to. You might not be able to control everything, but you can choose how you will orient your life what direction you will go towards. And I believe a lot of your orientation, your stability, your your balance, you know, it comes from your ears. It's the same in the spiritual sense. A lot of your stability in life will come from what you tune your ears to. What frequency, what words, what people, what sort of spirit are you listening for and are you listening to? You can always choose what you will listen to. So in this season, In this season, I pray that you will seek out the voice of God. Seek out the Spirit of God when he speaks through men and through women. We find King Ahab, the wicked King Ahab, later on in life, at a festival with a man named Jehoshaphat in 1 Kings 22. Now Ahab and Jehoshaphat were making an alliance together, and they were completing it by their daughters and sons marrying each other. And this was a union between the northern kingdom of Judah and the southern kingdom of Israel. Now, the interesting thing about this, as we already know about Ahab, he was a wicked king. 
I like to call him Ahab the abdicator because he did nothing with the responsibility that God gave him. He allowed his wife Jezebel to come in and begin to take the reins of the spiritual leadership of the nation of Israel from Ahab and from God and give it over to the false god Baal. And that's why Elijah had to step up because Ahab wouldn't step up. Elijah had to speak because Ahab wouldn't. Elijah had to pray because Ahab wouldn't. He abdicated his personal position of responsibility as leader of the nation. But Jehoshaphat was very different. Jehoshaphat was a man of God. He was one of Judah's most righteous kings. In fact, his name means ascending. He, he, he went to a higher place. One of the key critical decisions Je Jehoshaphat made early on in life is that he, he said to himself, I am not going to be like Ahab. He saw how he was living and leading, and he said, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Well, what began to happen was Judah began to flourish. As Jehoshaphat learned the, the creed of God, the principles of God, he became a teacher. His name means righteous judge. He began to teach people the judgments and the principles of God. And wherever the principles of God are taught, blessings begin to flow. That's true then. It's true now. That when you get under the precepts and the principles of God, blessings begin to flow. Now don't forget, at that same time, Ahab's over here in three and a half years of perpetual drought sorrow, famine. Meanwhile, Jehoshaphat is growing. His family, his armies, his people, Judah is overflowing. In fact, other kings are coming and they're, they're bringing gifts to him because there's something about the anointing that's attractive. It's just true. When you get the anointing on you, something just changes around you. Jehoshaphat had that. He had the anointing of God. But he made a mistake. And his mistake is found in this moment. The beginning of Jehoshaphat's slow downfall begins right here. He chose to make an alliance with the wicked king Ahab. He knew better. He knew he shouldn't be around this guy. He knew he shouldn't be in close proximity with those guys because who you get around with is eventually who you walk with is eventually the direction you're going to head. And who you get around is eventually what's on them gets on you. What's in them gets in you. What they produce, eventually you begin to produce. And here, What's on Ahab, the abdicating spirit, begins to get on Jehoshaphat through this alliance. There should not have been fellowship between these two. And the reason there should not have been an alliance is because their allegiances were different. Jehoshaphat had allegiance to God, but we already know that Ahab's allegiance was to Baal. And so they served different gods. And this is such a picture of what can happen with us, such a picture of what can happen in the church when saints create an alliance with culture. When we try and combine God and the world, when we try to uh, combine godliness with just good, these things were not meant to coordinate. They were not meant to intersect. They are oil and water. They are flesh and spirit. They are not meant to come together. See, when hot, mixes with cold, you eventually always get lukewarm. And here's the real scary thing about lukewarmness. The world finds lukewarmness perfectly acceptable. That's what's so subtle about it. Only God rejects lukewarmness. The world says, hey, it's not that bad. It's no big deal. Look, you know, we accept it. We accept you. Hey, do whatever you want to do. Do what your heart feels. Do what you feel is right. Find your own way. Do what you desire. That's, that's the world's sermon. 
But God says, I either want you hot or cold. But lukewarmness, I will not keep around. The reason is God is saying, I want there to at least be clarity within convictions. He doesn't want the mess that comes between an alliance that has different allegiances. Remember, ecclesia means the called out ones. What were we called out from? What is the process of being called out? It's separation. It's removal. The problem is the church has, like Jehoshaphat, though blessed by God, has slipped back into a relationship with the world that God wants us removed from. That's where the lukewarmness comes in. That, that's, where, that's when we can't have any convictions. For to have convictions would be to generate some heat. You can't generate some heat. You can't stir things up. You can't shake things. Hey, don't rock the boat. No, no, no. There can't be any absolute truths because then that would mean then there's some people that are absolutely wrong. Don't generate some heat now. Keep it calm. Keep it cool. Keep it moving. That's the only way to remain in a lukewarm relationship is to, is to keep the heat real low. And this is where I think we find the church today. The church, if you don't know, the greater church is in an identity crisis right now. Not even knowing really who it is. Not really knowing what to do. A lot of different opinions. A lot of people innovating, trying different things. But the reality is the church is in a current identity crisis and maybe it's because we refashioned ourselves to fit with the world. We remade ourselves to connect with the world, be accepted by the world, loved by the world, applauded by the world. But who is applauded by the world will always be rejected with God. And I think one of the problems with the current identity culture uh, crisis in the culture of the church is the fact that we have we have allowed for so long for acceptance by the world to be what we, would, what we would call the blessings of God. And God says, I don't care if you're smaller. I just want you to be mine. I don't care if you're a remnant. I want you removed. And so we're going through this breaking process, but it's really our fault. We got too close. We mixed too much. We were Jehoshaphat, but we, we got involved. With Ahab. And this happens in the church as well. See it all the time. A young couple comes in, and uh, you know, the girl, many times the girl, sometimes the guy, has been coming to church for a long time. And they meet a guy, and, and, and the guy is an unchristian, and the woman is a Christian. It can happen the other way around, but, but one of the other serves themselves, certainly doesn't serve God. What happens in that moment many times is the guy will pursue the woman. He'll even come to church. And of course, I hear all the excuses. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's been coming to church for three weeks. He's been coming to church. He lifted one hand one time. And we all going to pretend, oh, well, he lifted one hand one time. But the reality is he's reformatting himself so that there can be an alliance. But after that happens, he comes to church two times a year. And after two years, now then the woman eventually begins to come two times a year because the two become one. What happened was a slow shifting over time so that there could be an alliance that was never really from God. It was used by the enemy to pull a godly person away from God by giving them a good thing, but not the God thing. Good thing, but not the God thing. What is that? That's the process 
that can happen when you become unequally yoked. And un being unequally yoked doesn't even show itself until difficulty arises. You might be saying, look, we're doing fine. We're, we're going all right. You're doing fine when you're headed in the same direction. But when difficulty arises, difficulty exposes differences. That's what happens. Come on, you know this from 2020. Difficulty exposes differences. And, and it wasn't even shown, those two, until a determination was made, let's go to war. Jehoshaphat and Ahab said, now that we're together, Ahab says, will you do me this favor? Favor, I want to go to war. He couldn't go to war on his own because he wasn't blessed. He had no army. He needed Jehoshaphat's army. And after he buttered Jehoshaphat up, he now got him on his side and says, will you help me? I can't do this without your strength. It's just, this is a side note, but it's amazing to me what a little bit of flattery can get someone to do. Just a little bit of flattery gets Jehoshaphat to abandon everything to now he's going to go to war with this guy. For what? It's not his fight. It's not his call. God didn't call him to do this. That's not why he even showed up there. He showed up for a wedding. Now he's going to war. It turned quick. <laughs> and, 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 and now the difficulty arises. Don't forget the problem is these two are contrasts. These two serve different gods. So now they want to go about this difficulty of war differently. They're going to head in two totally different directions. Right now, right now, we are in a time of spiritual difficulty. I would go so far to call it spiritual warfare. We can sense it. We can feel it. Something is going on upstairs. We can hear the noise and the reverberation. We feel it in our soul. We see it in our streets. There's something going on. We don't quite know what, but we know something's happening. It's a time of difficulty. And now listen, how you respond to it really depends on who you serve. How you respond depends on who you serve. Jehoshaphat serves Jehovah. Ahab serves himself, serves Baal. Well, Jehoshaphat says if we're going to war, we need to do what kings will do in the Old Testament. When it's time to go to war, we need to ask of the Lord. Assemble the prophets and inquire first for the word of the Lord. By the way, this is the verse I used at the beginning. I love this. Inquire first for the word of the Lord. I think that's something that you could live by. It's a principle that you could live by. Jehoshaphat says, I know what we got to do. We got to ask God. Now, notice that Jehoshaphat said that because Ahab doesn't care. He's not the one. He sees the fire fall down. It doesn't even change his life. He's not going to ask God. But the godly man says, I'm going to ask God. So, so now Ahab has to go along with it. He has to seek God because Jehoshaphat said, that's what I'm going to do because it's what godly people do. Hear me, now is the hour. For godly people to seek God and ask him, God, I'm asking you what's going on. Inquire first of the Lord. We all want to know what's going on. We're seeking out prophets. We're talking to our family. We're watching the news. We're checking the apps. We're trying to figure out what is happening. But the Bible gives us a principle. First and foremost, come before the Lord before you take that next step. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, right? And after that, everything else will be added unto you. Right now, this is a time for deep discernment. This is the hour for deep discernment for God's people. And discernment is being able to know truth from, the, from error. Truth from error. Even when you can't see it, let's say, statistically. Even if you can't see it visibly. Discernment is the supernatural ability to understand truth from error 
even when it's not plain in the physical. Right now, that's what God's people are going to be needed to do. Because you'll encounter a moment in life like Jehoshaphat is about to encounter. Ahab calls his prophets up. You want to ask God? No problem. Bring out the prophets. 400 prophets come out. Now, we don't know if they're prophets of Baal or Ashereth, but we know that they are not God's prophets. They're just called prophets. Don't know if they're false prophets, just the generic prophets. And it's like, all right, guys, have at it. So they begin to prophesy and they begin to shout. They begin to do their dance, make their noise, do their thing. And they finally go up to Ahab and they say, here's the word of the Lord. They say, go up, go on, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Go up. (laughs) Even as I'm reading it, it's a little difficult to read. Because like, go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. What does that mean? Will give what? Into which king? Because there's multiple kings here. There's going to be three kings in this war. Go, Go ahead, because the Lord will give it to the hand of the king. Give what? Here you can see these false prophets are using doublespeak, so no matter what, they're not going to be wrong. No matter what, they're not going to... What do they do? They're playing both sides for their personal benefit. These are not the prophets of God. It's not specific. It's not challenging. It's not real. It's not personal. It's not powerful. it's, It's all playing for yourself. By the way, if you want to know how to determine a false prophet or the spirit of a false prophet... That's what it sounds like. Always to the benefit of the prophet. Never a difficult thing. Never on the side of truth. Here they come. They say, go ahead. God's going to show up. But Jehoshaphat says, I don't know. It, it just doesn't sound like, it just doesn't sound like God. I got to be honest. <laughs> I know God. And I've heard some prophets in my day. It just doesn't sound like God to me. Ahab's over here saying like, right? Sounds good, right? Go on up. God will give it to somebody. Let's, let's go. It's amazing. Oh man, this is not in my sermon, but I can't tell you how many times I've heard people take normal things, try and claim it's from God and twist it to suit their own agenda instead of laying things out to sacrifice before God's actual words. I can't tell you how many times Christians will come to me and say, pastor, I'm going to ask your opinion on something. Now, I want you to understand, I was at McDonald's, and I ordered a number two. They didn't give me a number two. They gave me a number three. That's how I know three weeks from now, I am supposed to move to Hawaii. And it's like, whoa, you heard from God. I don't mean to make fun of you, but that's pretty close to what I hear. (laughs) When God speaks, there's a resonance to it. It doesn't just resonate with you. It resonates with everyone around you. And if God's words always back up your agenda, you're not hearing from God. You're hearing the spirit of self. You're hearing a lying tongue. You're hearing something that is not coming from the Almighty that knows all, that will be confirmed by his word, by a company of his prophets or or godly counsel. Jehoshaphat knows this. And he says, you know what? This isn't good enough for me. And I don't know who these prophets are, but is there a prophet of the Lord around here? I got to be specific. Is there a prophet of the Lord that I can inquire of? And and, and he has to to 
if you can go to that verse, it's a, a verse six, seven. He, he has to say, I, I, need, I need to hear another prophet. I need to hear an, another word. I need to get some more counsel here because this isn't the real deal. I, I got to go to the source. I don't just want to hear a good word. I want to hear God's word. Listen, now is the time where there's a lot of good words, but we have got to hear God's word. We need the real deal right now. Not a facsimile, not, not, not something that's similar to. We need the real deal right now because we are in a real war. It is spiritual. It is maybe physical. It's something's going on. And we need God's, we need God's word right now. Something reliable. Because, you know, Ahab could have said, are you kidding me? You need, you need one prophet? That's 400 guys right there. But hear me, numbers do not connotate blessings. I'm going to say it again. For all the churches, for all the businessmen, for all the people that want to say might makes right, numbers do not connotate blessings. 400, but that doesn't make them right. Well, they all agreed. Well, that doesn't mean it was from God, but it was positive. That doesn't mean it's a word from God. We must choose, as Christians, we must choose uncomfortable truth over convenient lies. So Jehoshaphat says, let's get a man of God in here. Is there anybody? And Ahab says, well, there's one. His name's Micaiah, but I hate him. I can't stand this guy. He never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. Everything this guy has to say is negative. Everything he has to say is a difficult word. I, I, there's one guy, but I hate him. You know what's interesting? Right now, Ahab has the choice, just like we all have the choice, will we avoid or embrace truth? And, and Ahab avoids truth because of the personal cost to him, because truth does have a cost. And Ahab says, no, I, I can't stand this guy because because everything he says is evil. Can I propose to you that maybe everything he prophesied was evil because Ahab is evil? Like, like what fellowship can light have with darkness? He wants to hear a good word, but he's a bad man. He, he wants to hear good, yet practice evil. And God says, I'm not going to amen your sin. I'm not going to agree with that lifestyle. It's just not, you can do what you're going to do, but I have the right to disagree. I stand in heaven and I have the right to withhold my blessings. I have the right to challenge. I have the right to speak the truth, even if it's uncomfortable. You know what's amazing is even when he prophesies negative, that was an opportunity. If there's humility, that was an opportunity for him to have some self-reflection and say, you know what, maybe I need to change. This is so consistently against me. Maybe I'm the one that's problem. He, he, but he says, no, I don't want that. I don't want any restrictions. Be careful. Be careful when getting around people or even allowing of yourself the casting off of restrictions. That's what Ahab's doing. I don't want to hear anything but good things. Life is a party. I want it to be good. I'm not going to restrain myself. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's bad. Nothing's evil. I'm going to be me. And I want God to be positive about it. But God says, I won't do it. If he was humble, it would have been an opportunity for change. But because he is prideful and doubles down, now it's going to lead to his tragedy. You know what I see in this moment here? I see the temptation that we all have to face in life 
And I believe we're all facing right now the temptation of willful blindness. Talked about it last week. Willful blindness. To choose to not see. To choose to move away from difficult things. And maybe I could even update it a little bit this week because I'm talking about listening. The temptation of willing ignorance. It's one thing to not know. It's another thing to avoid truth. And I believe that we as a society right now are sliding into the temptation of willing ignorance. And we even as a church are flirting with the temptation of willing ignorance. That we got no opinion, that we got nothing to say, we don't want to rock the boat because truth is now deemed evil. Truth is now deemed negative, and the kings don't want to hear it. So maybe I just won't speak it. Maybe I'll just go along to get along. The temptation right now, for the church even, I mean, think about it. Everyone's online. You're online right now. I don't know if you know this, but there are 700 other pastors you could listen to right now. And some of them, very good. But there are also 700 other voices that fill with confusion. And not just pastors, there's commentators. Not just commentators, there's media. There's so much that we could listen to that could affirm a lack of truth. And that really is where the church is at a crossroads right now with who are we going to listen to, the 400 that profit from their prophecies or the one pays the price to tell the truth? Look, Paul foresaw this. He, he, he says this to Timothy. He says, for the time will come, and I believe it's here now, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They just won't put up with it. They'll walk away. They'll, they'll, they'll change the channel. They'll unsubscribe. They'll go to do their own thing. I'm just not putting up with it anymore. Instead, to suit their own desires, to form to themselves, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will gather around themselves a chorus of agreement, but no truth. A choir of agreement, but no God. And this is the moment right now where we find ourselves in, even as a church, will, will we pay the price for truth? Will we stand for what's right, even if the majority choose to not stand with us? Is there another prophet in the land? Are there preachers in the land? Are there intercessors in the land? Are there Christians in the land? Because the land right now is in a state of panic, in a state of war, and there needs to be people that will be steadfast in the truth for a moment like this. Will we choose truth or willing ignorance? I mean, when you think about it, this choice has been so shown clearly time and again in the Old Testament in the New. Think of the time when Stephen was martyred. He began to preach one of the most incredible sermons ever preached in Acts chapter 7. Going from the Old Testament to the New, showing all of God's work. And the Sanhedrin that was judging Stephen, they, they, they began to become enraged at his words. Though they were fully truthful, they brought rage up out of the Sanhedrin. Though they were anointed, they brought rage up out of the Sanhedrin. In fact, they, they rose up, the Bible says, and they, they put their hands over their ears. And they gnashed their teeth and they began to shout at the top of their lungs. Why? To drown out the sound of Stephen's sermon. It's unbelievable to me that, that there could be such hatefulness towards truth that, that a chorus of noise is roused up 
by, let's be honest, by the devil, just so that that still small voice of truth can't affect. I mean, you think of it, they can't even say, I disagree. That, no, that's not good enough. They have to close their own ears, scream with their own tongue. Why? Anything to avoid the truth. I believe that's a pointed picture of where society is right now with hands over their ears, shaking their heads. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to consider it. You say, Jordan, what am I speaking about? You know, I'd like to give you some examples, but honestly, I'm speaking about everything. Name a society, name an institution, name a media company. I mean, I mean and name it, even in our own lives. The truth the cost of truth is skyrocketing and we don't want to pay the price. Or let me say it this way. We are deciding whether we want to pay the price. If we're willing to make the stand. I love that even in them, that moment where they were covering their ears and shouting and screaming, Stephen glimpsed heaven. He glimpsed God. Their reaction didn't change the reality. Stephen got to see God for himself. If what's playing out today is like that scene, I want to be Stephen, even if it has a high cost. I want to hear God. I want to see him stand by his throne. I want to feel his touch and his warmth and his grace. I want to pause this sermon to let you know God loves you. He is so, so loving towards you. His grace is what he wants to give to you. Truth has a cost, but it's well worth the cost. God will wrap you in his garment. He, he is not against you. He's not frustrated with you. He might want change, but like a loving father, that's going to help you change. He'll walk step by step with you. He's a good God. Not angry towards you, withholding. He's not cold. And if you move towards him, you're going you're to realize this God. In fact, I don't care if you've been saved for 20 years. You will get new revelations of God's goodness towards you. Because his goodness is infinite. It's expansive. It's overwhelming. That's the kind of God we serve. So no wonder Jehovah wanted to hear from that God. I don't want to hear from these little men. I can't change the outcome of anything. I want truth, even if it's difficult to hear. Right now, society is like those men that heard Stephen's sermon. Society is is doing all it can to batter down the truth of the word of God. We've moved from removing God from schools to now there, there's an attempt to remove God from society. And more than that, there's a, an attempt to remove humanity from society. It's a, it's a very dark and difficult thing, what is coming against us. And, and I'm afraid that People are choosing to be deaf and dumb by choice. Even Christians. Our schools are shut. Our churches are closed. We have to have Thanksgiving alone. Do we have any thoughts on this? Do we care? There's violence skyrocketing all over our nation. Mental health and mental unhealth is through the roof, unlike we've ever seen before. Our elections are upside down, like we're in a third world nation. Don't recognize what is happening. Do we care? 
do we want the truth? Do we want to have an opinion? Oh, you might be censored on Twitter. Is that the price we're unwilling to pay? You might be banned off Facebook. Someone might call you a mean word. You might be rejected by a few. You might have to change. I, I'm afraid. I don't want to say I'm afraid. I'm concerned that we as a nation don't understand that our nation's existence had a cost. That, that the values that we just take as handed to us were handed to us because someone else bought them. Just like salvation was not ours to earn. It was Christ that paid that price. So liberty and freedom and justice, they didn't always exist. In fact, they're pretty recent. And they were paid a blood price to be gifted to us. And now it seems like there is a definite assault on not just one of them, on a combination of them. And throw the church in there for good measure because... The seeds of revolution were in the bars and in the pews. It was the church that rose up, taught mankind that its worth was determined from God, not government. That the individual is sovereign and that government recognizes that sovereignty. It does not give that sovereignty. That our liberty is given by God through Christ. That our freedom is our own. And, and certainly, we will do what makes sense with wisdom. But there comes a point, and I believe we're at that point now, where we have got to have an opinion. Is something else going on here? Is there an attack on the church or not? Because it seems like we're having to have Supreme Court cases to go to church. I know we've shifted slowly. But can I wake you up? Is this normal? Where our, our freedom to gather hangs in the balance by one judge? And, and, and I understand, I know all the words, just deal with it, get over it, it's the new normal. Why? Who says it's the new normal? Who says we just have to accept whatever's prophesied, whatever is released, whatever these people say? I... I I want to charge the church right now to hear with spiritual ears, to look with spiritual eyes and to speak spiritual words. Not against anybody, but we are for God. We are for his people. We are for the gathering. We are for bringing change. And what I'm seeing every Sunday is an unbelievable need. Like I, like, I can't even describe to you an unbelievable need at the altar. Unbelievable need in mental health for food, physical and spiritual right now. And, and I believe now more than ever, the church and the people, your prayers are needed. Your words are needed. Your prophecies are needed. Your encouragement is needed. Your dreams are needed. Your posts are needed. Your prayers are needed. Your leadership is needed. Pastors, you're needed. Bishops, you're needed. Churches, you are needed. Because the nation is on a precipice right now. Do we have a thought, a care, an opinion, an action? Is it time to begin to release truth? even when it makes people 
uncomfortable. I read recently that the Pope criticized those who disagreed with COVID restrictions in the name of personal freedom. He came against people that want freedom. Let me tell you, it's a very scary thing when a world leader is criticizing people for desiring freedom. I've never been a prouder Protestant than this moment. I'll tell you what, I, I, I echo the words of our forefathers. Give me liberty, give me death. For to live in perpetual pause and forever fear, I believe is not to live at all. Yeah, we will use wisdom, but we must be free to live. I will not march lockstep from the, the mask to the mark. I will say the truth, a differing opinion. I'm not some conspiracy theory. Theorist. I'm not out of my mind, and neither are you. We are here to represent God unashamedly, unabashedly, we are here to stand for freedom and liberty of all individuals. And I personally will not make it easy for a freedom bought with blood to be taken without a word. We will speak. We will listen. We will inquire of the prophets. What will I do? I'm going to ask God. I'm going to follow him despite the cost, despite the consequences. I'm going to choose carefully who I listen to. Choose carefully who I follow. And you say, but 400 say. I say, yes, but are those 400 of God? Do they speak with the voice of God? Because I get to lead my wife and my children in a certain direction. We get to lead our churches in a certain direction. We get to leave a great legacy for those coming after us. May we stand in this moment and speak the truth, whichever turn it takes. And let's not have a spirit of fear on us, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So here, I challenge you simply, choose carefully this year who you will listen to. You can't stop all the noise, but you can choose who you agree with. In this moment in the story, they send for the prophet Micaiah, and he's on his way. Next week, I'll talk about what happens when he gets here. But in the meantime, I'd ask you to search out God's voice, search out God's word, have more worship than noise, have more word than news, get more believers in your life than downers, have more faith than fear, have more wisdom than worldliness, have more Jesus than anything else. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you wanna learn more about our church, Visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.